it is wonderful to be with you guys this morning. Uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Johnny, and uh, I have the joy of, of leading uh, the youth around here. Uh, we had an amazing time at camp. Um, I'm standing, so that's probably the best victory that, that I experienced. I'm not sick. I, I, I lasted, but, but we just had amazing conversations. Uh, it, it's unlike any other time of the year where our leaders get hours upon hours to invest in our students. And, you know, I'm a youth pastor, so I got to share one funny story from camp, right? This is, this is, this is why we're here. So Sunday night, we're, we're sleeping in yurts. I don't know if you guys ever heard of a yurt. Uh, it's just, a, just like a circular cabin, so all the beds are along the, all along the side. And uh, Sunday night, I mean, I'm, I'm 30 now, so I can't stay up till 2 in the morning anymore. So <laughs> 11.30, I'm pushing it, and I'm like, hey, boys, I'm going to bed. So I put my phone right on my chest, and I play this super annoying white noise fan so I can sleep, but I sleep. And so at midnight, I feel my phone drag across my chest, and I wake up, and my bed has moved. It's an entire bunk bed. My bed has moved almost out the door. <laughs> they had planned on dragging me outside for the night. <laughs> But they didn't realize my phone was plugged in, and so it dragged and woke me up, and I was saved by the Lord. <laughs> so uh, it was awesome. That's the kind of stuff. I'm going to use the word deal with, but I enjoy it. It, it is such a gift. Uh, so, so I love it. Hey, we are, we are back in Ephesians, and uh, we're in 3 through 14 uh, today. And as I was reading the text, I, I, I thought of this story. Any, anybody play high school sports? Yes, any baseball players? All right, we, we always thought our practices were, were hard. I know football, you were, it was probably harder. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But we had one week, I think it was my junior or senior year, uh, where there was one week we were just messing around. We had an easy game on the schedule, and um, guess what happened in that game? We lost. So we come back Monday, and my coach had a different demeanor. <laughs> and by the end of it, I just remember laying on the outfield grass, exhausted, worn out like I've never been worn out before. And I remember what my coach said as we're all just dying on the grass. He comes up and he says, this was a gift. And every single player is like, uh, no. <laughs> and so one thing that we always encourage at RCC is ask questions. So the bold young player that I was, I go up to my coach after practice and I was like, coach, that was not a gift. That was a punishment. I was like, how in the world could you tell me that that was a gift? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Johnny, were your weaknesses and your limitations more obvious to you? And I was like, the entire time. <laughs> and he said, that's the gift. And I was like, man, that is... That is profound. I would have never viewed that practice as a gift from my coach. But because he exposed my weaknesses, my flaws, my limitations, he said, if you know that, you know where to grow from. And it was awesome. And that's, that's, a, that's a really similar experience that I think we have with the light from Christ. When he reveals darkness, it is uncomfortable. I don't think any of us, the initial time that God reveals our sin, we're like, wow, that was, that was lovely. I'm so glad I got to see all of that in my life. 
But I think the Lord has the same kind of response my coach has is, this is a gift. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is with this gift of discomfort. So here's our big idea. One of the greatest expressions, right, we, we've covered chapters one through three is God absolutely loves us. He has lavished his love upon us. And in chapters four up through five, verse two, we have this quote that, that the last two weeks have said, loved people love people. When you genuinely experience chapters one through three, it gets displayed in the way you live. So as we look at the love of Christ, this is one of the greatest expressions is that he shines his light in our darkness. It is an amazing gift. But I can assure you, it does not always feel like one. And so here's my prayer, Lord. Would you allow us to walk out of this room today anticipating your love being displayed as you reveal our sin? Would we walk out more grateful that you have already shined your light in our darkness and that you continue to move for our joy and for your glory? So God, this morning, would your name be elevated? Amen. Awesome, let's read our text. We are in three through 14. It reads like this. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be even named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now this first idea, I hope it's not surprising, but I think it's a reality that we need to come to grips with outside of of our hearts and inside of our hearts. And this first idea is, last week we talked about be imitators of God and walk in love. So when he starts out with but, I think he's using this list, these two short lists, as a contrary to if you're going to imitate, if you're going to walk in love, these things ought not be true of you. It's actually a display of darkness, not of light. And this is the list. He uses sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talk, and crude joking. Now, we've got a culture in which this is rampant. Uh, there, there's, a, there's stats that, that we can all look up uh, on how prevalent these 
uh, ideas are in our culture. Uh, this, this stat on pornography ha has shocked me every time that I've seen it. I think it came out a couple years ago. Uh, but but this, is, this is the culture we live in. The pornography industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined. If we think sexual immorality is not rampant. <laughs> Guys, the Super Bowl alone has a revenue of $600 million. One game of one of the sports, $600 million. And just the pornography industry. Now, my conviction is, before the internet existed, I'm pretty confident sexual immorality existed. <laughs> now, I think pornography and, and, and the internet and the accessibility we have to things, I think all it does is it highlights the reality of the darkness inside of us. And all of us fight, fight, fight against this culture that we live in. But this is the one. This is the one you and I are walking in, living in, are being challenged by. And then we have this one inside the church. This filthiness, this foolish talk, the crude joking. This one shocked me too. 60% of people who, who either leave the church for good or who leave their previous church the reason is not theology. The reason is not because I didn't like a pastor. The reason is not a program. The reason is us. People. Broken people using powerful words in an unhealthy manner. 60% of people who are leaving churches leave because they have an experience in which they no longer feel safe in that community. This is the culture we're living in. We use our words however we want, in whatever manner we want, in any cadence we want. That's the culture we're surrounded by. It must not be the one of God's children. But that's what we're impacted by. So what's the allure of darkness? Darkness... <laughs> is out there, and it is everywhere. So why are so many people drawn by darkness? I think ultimately it's everyone is seeking after a short-term enjoyment. Now it is at the cost of a long-term joy, but the allure of darkness is that you get, you get whatever you want now. Now, I think you could, you could see this, uh, if you guys know me, uh, one of the things that, that I love, if I'm having a hard day and I want to go eat somewhere, young people, where am I eating? In and out. <laughs> okay? Yes. It's wonderful! But that's probably a little bit more focused on my short-term enjoyment than if I said, man, Dr. May, sorry, but if I said, wow, if I'm looking at 30 years from now, maybe a green salad would be beneficial. <laughs> Right? But, but we do this, now, now that's, that's food, it doesn't pack our body, it probably has some spiritual realities attached to it. But when you think about the self-control of your thoughts, when you think about how you view your own body, when you think about uh, holding anger at, at bay, all of these things, it's so much easier to just express or experience whatever we're feeling in the moment. 
But the people of God, we look at the long-term joy and we say, God, I want what is best for the kingdom. But that's the allure is, it's right in front of you. I think the other is this, the light, it reveals a lot. I woke up this morning and my bathroom light is really bright. So you wake up and it's dark, you can't see anything. You turn on the light, I guarantee you every single one of us has had this experience where you're in the morning, your eyes are puffy, your hair is crazy, and you, you turn on the light and you're like, whoa, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Didn't know that's what I look like. Right? But, but the light, that's what it does. It reveals a lot. And so when Christ shines his light in our heart, I think it's really challenging to be confronted with the reality of our own darkness. And so the allure of darkness is, turn that light off. I don't like what I see. I'm going to turn the other way. The allure is, well, if the light's not here, then I don't see it as clearly. We all like to hide. And I think one of the biggest ones is this, that we, we want to protect our own self-image at all costs. Here's what I love about this text. Every single one of us in the room has fought against every single one of these things that we're talking about. I know every single one of us has put ourselves out there as healthier than we actually are to impress the people around us. You don't think that's a temptation as a pastor? <laughs> I've got to be, I've got to be further. I can't be wrestling. I can't be struggling. That's not who we are. We are children loved by God, but, but we are people who are trying to believe more. I know we're called believers, but, but we're really people who are trying to believe God more tomorrow more than today. We're, we're trying to always increase our trust in him. But this is always going to be the temptation is if you can look good to the people around you, you'll be okay. So it's such a strong allure. Now for the first time in Ephesians, we're going to see a heavy warning to people who are walking in darkness. So this is what he says in verse five. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, right? Just repeating that list that he said earlier, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now we've seen this uh, word inheritance. You guys remember where this, where this was used? Chapter one. And so, so chapter one starts with, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then he gives this, this list, and then in verse 11 he says, in him, in this man whom all spiritual blessings lie, we have obtained an inheritance. But if you look down low, it says, uh, believed in him, you heard the word of truth, the gospel, and you believed in him, and you were sealed. And so there's this stark contrast between people who are living in darkness, those who hear the gospel and do not believe, versus the people who I say are in the process of putting off the old self. Because when I initially read this text, I'm like, well, there are a lot of words that have absolutely described my past and are describing what I'm always fighting against. And so to me, I saw this big difference between this word is versus someone who's putting off the old self, because this is what he says. Those who are not going to inherit, it's everyone who is sexually immoral, who is covetous. And for me, that, that's a huge difference between someone who is 
loved and saved and redeemed and is fighting against sexual immorality and is putting off the old self of impurity and somebody who used to covet. That's very different than someone, God is describing someone who is consumed by this, who is ruled by this, where darkness still has victory. They do not have the control because God has not yet saved them. They are not in the process of sanctification. Those people have no inheritance, but those who are in the process, they do. And then he gives two strong encouragements for those of us who, who, who do treasure Jesus. He says, do not be deceived by the message of the world, by the message of darkness. And here's how he says it in the text. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with him. Empty words. Uh, I think darkness promises kind of two ideas, so I tried to put it in some quotes as to what would the potential lies of darkness be? What would the empty words be? Here's the first one. Is sin's just not that big of a deal to God. You ever felt that? <laughs> ever wrestled against that temptation? Come on, that rises in our hearts all the time. Oh, well, I might be wrestling with this, but <laughs> look at that guy. Way better than that guy. I'm not wrestling with that. Or, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm still fighting here, but at, at least it's not as bad as it was two years ago. What's happening in marriages, right? When you do not take seriously the sin that impacts your relationship with God, it can serve as a downfall or destruction or, or at least something that reveals how much you are trusting God. But this is a dangerous, dangerous pitfall. It's empty, because it's empty of truth. That sin is just not that big of a deal to God. And I think the other one that can deceive us is you can't share that. You can't make that known, or else everyone will know who you really are. Now that is a strong temptation that all of us feel. I want to be perceived as someone who is strong, who is spiritually consistent, and when you share your weaknesses, it can be perceived like that's not who you are, and maybe there's some ele an element of truth to that. But you can't share that. Now, the reason this is empty, ultimately, is because who actually knows who you really are? God does. Guys, we cannot hide. That's not even an option. You can hide from me. But what's your reward? But you can't hide from God which is what makes his love absolutely amazing, is he actually knows who you are. He knows the depth of your darkness like no one else. Now, our fear is no one would respond kindly, which I think is a, a fair assessment. Now, when you go before the almighty holy God, I think there ought to be a little bit of humility to say, thank you for your love because I know what you've seen. So when he uses the word lavished, it's lavished because there's a depth of darkness that he enters into. So the reason you can share is because God already knows. God loves you and he's actually met you in that depth of brokenness that we're often scared to share with others. 
Now this is the transition, this is, this is the big idea, this is what I hope we walk away with today, is that we would be increasingly grateful for the gift of his light. I think this is something we, we wrestle with that, that, that we don't necessarily seek after. I think it may be a little bit more of a, a passive activity for some of us where it's like, eh, if you reveal it, I'll work on it. But how many people are you praying for weekly God, reveal my sin so that I would experience more of your love. I don't find that to be a common prayer where you go before the Lord and you say, God, I can't wait for you to expose more of my darkness. Woo-hoo! <laughs> oh, it has become an increasing prayer in my life because the more that I pray and the more that he shows, the more that I experience the depth of his love. So this is where we see it. Just a short text in here. Don't let these things be a reality. I want you to be imitators. I want you to walk in love. Not these. These are not what it means to walk in love. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. And you'll see in verse 8, I think this is what the thanksgiving is rooted in. For at one time, you were darkness. Not, not, Not even you were in darkness, you were struggling with darkness. You were. It's who you were. But now, you are light in the Lord. I think this is such a key marker of anyone who treasures Jesus is you have this, this desire for God to continue to shine his light in you as an increasing ask and desire. So here's what it looks like, I think for me. Someone who treasures Jesus, you understand the weight, the consequence, the prevalence of darkness in your life, past and present. I think you look and you say, that was me, or that is me, and I'm fighting, and I understand the weight of this because there's so many spiritual implications to darkness. And anyone who sees a depth of their darkness, I think those who treasure Jesus, they cling to him even more tightly as their hope, as their freedom, as their joy, as their salvation. And so when I was thinking about some stories in Scripture, there are two stories. I was like, man, what's a story that conveys Someone who, treasuring, who treasures Jesus, who, who absolutely loves that Jesus has shined his light in their darkness. And the first one is this. I'm not going to read the whole story. But if you remember, they're, they're at a dinner. Jesus is at a dinner with religious leaders. And this woman, completely broken, totally aware of her sin, drops to her knees, weeping at the feet of Jesus. She wipes his feet with her tears, just broken, doesn't care who else is around, just broken, and she recognizes her sin and who this man is. And I love Jesus' response. Such a good indicator to the text we're reading. In 47, he says, therefore I tell you, her sins which are many. Now who was aware that she had many sins? (laughs) Jesus did, and she did. Now, I think everyone else in the town probably knew too, but these are the two most important people. Jesus did, and she did, which is what made this moment beautiful. Because the love, right, it says, for she loved much. Whom did she love? Christ. The love that she showed was a direct correlation to her awareness of her darkness. And then on the contrary, the rest of these religious leaders Sitting at this table, Jesus turns to them and says, but he who is forgiven little 
Those who don't understand that they are actually dark, that they are darkness, that there is a reality of sin in their life. For those who don't understand that, they're actually not going to love me because they don't see that my light is shining in their darkness. And there's this direct correlation to our awareness of the weight of darkness to our love for the Savior. And then Paul, the, the author of Ephesians, I love this. He's talking about this, this weakness that God won't get rid of. And then he says, and Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul gets this insight into Jesus' desire to enter into the brokenness of man and make him whole. And I love Paul's response. He's like, oh, if that's the case, I'm going to boast. I'm going to boast of my weakness. I'm not just going to not hide it. I'm going to boast of my weakness so that Christ can shine in me even more. This is what the heart of the author of Ephesians has in his mind when he's writing this book. I love this. Who else says, I delight in weaknesses? <laughs> I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. Because what that does is it reveals something inside of me that Christ can meet and redeem. And that's what I want more than anything in life. And then this final encouragement. If this is true, if you've understood the weight of your darkness and it's allowed you to become someone who's increasingly appreciative of the fact that he shines his light in your darkness. Go and be light. Walk in light. Verses 8 through 14, this is where we see it. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And we started this with, with what does our culture reveal about darkness? What, what, what are we living in? And, and I'm going to do a little bit of the same exercises. In our own culture, what does it look like to be light? What does it look like to reflect the light of Christ to the people around us? And the first one's this. Own our Darkness, past and present. If you want to be a healthy light to the people around you, we ought to own our darkness. For at one time, you were, you, me. We didn't just wrestle with it. It consumed us. It had victory over us. It's who we were. Such an important piece of the story. And for me, I'll be honest, I think it's one of the most efficient and helpful things as I share the gospel with people is to start with my own brokenness. Because that's where they are. And if they only see you as someone who's just here and not you were there, it's going to be hard for them to relate to you. 
But when you can go in, you can level the playing ground and you can say, I was there. And I'm still fighting against there. But we've got to own our own darkness. It's the most helpful piece of sharing the gospel with the, peace, or the people around us. is We have the opportunity to level the playing field, encourage people, I have wrestled, I am struggling, I am fighting. And they will more uh, happily receive what you would share after about the love of Jesus. I think it's a powerful, powerful piece of the story. What else? What is pleasing to the Lord is now what is pleasing to us. This is, this is what it looked like to live in darkness is whatever was pleasing to me in the moment, that's what I chose. Whatever my heart craved, whatever my mind went to, what, what else would I care about other than meeting my own needs? And I think this shift for who is it that's best reflecting Christ is it's actually someone who's trying to discern, as the text is saying, walk as children of light and try to, to, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So what do you guys think is pleasing to the Lord? In the context of Ephesians, what is pleasing to the Lord? What's most pleasing to the Father? One word. Jesus. Jesus is most pleasing to the Father, which means for us, it's any time that we are connected to, saved by, transformed by, modeling him. You want to know what pleases him is his son, the truth of his son, the power of his son. So when he looks at us, the thing that is pleasing is not us. The thing that is pleasing is he looks at us and says, you have chosen to put your identity, your faith, your salvation in him. Because it's in him we have obtained an inheritance. And so the people who are consumed by discerning, God, what is most pleasing to you? I think a reality in their life is they're constantly assessing their own darkness in order to experience more of the power of his light. I think that's pleasing to the Lord. I think someone who wakes up and says, God, how can I best model your character to the people around me? It's about him, it's about his glory, his honor. I think that's pleasing to the Lord. And then through your life, through your own experience of salvation, I think other people coming to faith because of your word, because of your manner in which you share, I think that's pleasing to the Lord. And if we can have this kind of perspective, we no longer walk as we used to, but we have a new way of thinking. And lastly, I think the best way to reflect the light of Christ is to gently, lovingly shine the light in the darkness around us. Now, who did that best? Jesus. Our reflection is, ref is, is, is totally dependent on our experience of him shining his light. The manner in which he shined his light. If you guys remember this, this, text, uh, this text earlier uh, in, in Ephesians 4, it says, now gentleness, with all gentleness, right? Urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. All gentleness, patience, kindness, this 
is who God is. But, but this is how we can gently and lovingly take action as we reflect the light of Christ. He says, take no part in unfruitful works. Guys, no longer walk in them, but instead expose them. First, in your own life, allow the Lord to, to work that process and then gently and lovingly in the people around you because you know the eternal impact of darkness, expose them. For it's shameful even to, to speak of these things that they do in secret. Let's not put our focus on what is happening in sin and darkness. Let's put our focus and our hope on what the Lord is doing. But when anything is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. Now it's evident, now it's seen, now we can address it. For anything that becomes visible is light. And therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. This is, this is like our vision statement for, for student ministries. Our desire is to help awaken affections for Jesus. Because we know that there are some affections that still remain in darkness. And we want to awaken those and bring them to the light. So this is, this is kind of what I would call the, the light experience, the, the, the experience of Jesus' light in our life. First and foremost, and the, each of these build on one another, but we have to start by experiencing more powerfully the love of his light. As Christ shines in your darkness to bring you to salvation and continually sanctifying you and making you more like him, let us continue to experience more of the power of his love. That's what it's all rooted in. Once you experience that, I think you become someone who's transformed by the light. You were darkness and now you are light in the Lord, so walk in light. You actually become someone who's different, who thinks different, who feels different, who processes things different, who lives different because of your experience of his love. And you're transformed by it. And when you're transformed by it, you can't help but be the kind of light that you experienced in Christ. As Christ was gentle and faithful. I love that lyric earlier in the song. We stand on your faithfulness. This is our hope and stay is that we experience Christ. And now because we've been transformed by it, we can be the kind of light that he's been to us. So I just want to leave us with, with I love simple prayers. These are just prayers that, that I repeat all day long throughout my week. Uh, they're simple because I'm a simple man. They're easier to remember. But, but here's two of them for, for this week that I think we can pray through. Lord, graciously shine your light in our darkness. Thank God that he has done that in the past. And would we be increasingly grateful for this expression of love? I know it does not always feel comfortable, <laughs> But this expression is absolutely filled with the love of God. So God, would you increase this gratitude in us? And then, as we've had that, God, would you use the light that you've filled our life with in the darkness around us so that others would come to know this love that you've lavished upon me? God, that's our prayer. So pray with me this morning. God, our darkness is heavy. Our darkness is evidence. The, the weight of sin can, can absolutely rule and, and bog us down. God, we ask that as you graciously, faithfully, lovingly shine your light 
in the midst of our sin, of our darkness, that we would receive it as a gift. That we would see this as an act of an amazing love that you have for us. And God, as, as we become light, as we were darkness and as you transform us into light, God, would we be healthy reflections of this light in the dark world around us, filled with gentleness, filled with kindness, filled with love for the people around us because that is what you showed us. So God, would you be glorified as we continue to trust you more deeply. Amen.